0: Welcome to Hort Culture, where a group of extension professionals and plant people talk about the business, production, and joy of planting seeds and helping them grow. Join us as we explore the culture of horticulture. We are back and ready to chat. Welcome to Live Hort in culture.
1: studio yet again.
0: Live in studio. We I mean,
2: are live and we, we are, live are just live. as disruptive as the last time, I guarantee you. <laughs>
0: I'm clicking my pen for that things like that show up on, on sound. So, you know, work with us here. We're, we're fresh. We're fresh. So today we're going to talk about some, uh, of course we all, we all work. We all, number one, we all surf the internet. Okay, so if you're here, you you surf the internet, right? You hope. I don't.
1: If, are people still saying "surf the internet"? <laughs> surf, surf surf the browse the interweb. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, <laughs> please don't judge me. I feel very attacked <laughs>
2: here. You have AOL uh, at home. We don't that, judge you.
0: You're also a millennial. We say "surf the internet.
1: I don't know. I mean, what okay, do you, I, yeah, what do you I mean, say? Then what browse the dark saying. web. I mean, oh, is that something different? Oh wait, Uh, I, uh, uh never mind. Oh, I, I say
3: I ride the lightning, bus in the,
1: <laughs> bus in the web. Warren Zeders <laughs> over. Bus in,
0: the way. Way. <laughs> bus in
3: the web. I
1: think that's what they say on Reddit. I Anyways, ride, like,
2: oh you're okay. COVID you're bicycle. still on Reddit.
0: Yeah,
1: um, it's vintage. Vintage,
0: <laughs> vintage is in. I get put He's on my it is your MySpace. It's <laughs> super up?
2: simple syndication. It's still relevant.
0: Anyways, those of you who look at the web,
1: we all surf the web.
2: We
0: all surf the web. And we come across these things where you're just like, huh, that makes sense. But is it in fact true? So we're talking about some myths that we see uh, as your professionals who you can trust indefinitely.
1: And some of these will be myths that we've heard in person from people that, maybe come into y'all's offices yes. or, or yeah. any number of other places some too. of them
0: i've believed myself once
1: believe and to
2: be you. fair yeah. these are not like urban myths or involving sasquatch bigfoot or yetis that's not yeah. the kind that's of myths. No, no, no
1: cryptids
2: no no cryptids no cryptids yeah josh is making <laughs> notes my entire points of interest are destroyed go to
0: me last come to me last
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll be ready once everybody else yeah order <laughs> order last year yeah so, so garden myths.
0: yeah garden myths. do you want me to start
2: Yes, go right yes. ahead. All right, yeah, all right.
0: I'm I'm very passionate about this one. So there is, and we I heard this a lot last year, and it was kind of like, well, that makes sense. But then the more I thought about it, it was like, wait, no, that's not right. And so this is me saying, I'm just now learning things. Watering plants when it's hot outside. So last year in June, we had a, an early, very hot June. Um, you know, we were seeing over 90 degrees consistently. Uh, And plants were just, you know, practically melting. Yeah, Yeah, they were really suffering a lot of appraise. Hot boy
1: summer, not good for plants. Hot
0: boy (laughs) summer is not good for plants. And so a lot of people were saying, oh, you can't water in the middle of the day. Well, some of these plants really needed to be watered multiple times a day. And we typically don't encourage. You know, evening watering of stuff because there's no sun to kind of dry that leaf surface out. Uh, but a lot of people were saying that the water acts as a magnifying glass on the leaf surface and so, burns it. And burns it. it burns it, scorches
2: it to the
1: it. like you- it's a demented child and an ant. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys like heard that before? Yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah, 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 all the time. It's
1: a bonsai thing. There's a, a book by this guy named Michael Hagedorn called Bonsai Heresy. <laughs> wherein he attacks, or he. I can he, see why he, you bought it. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It's got like flames on it, <laughs> uh, and he talks about this exact one of these myths that's per- pervaded bonsai for a long time. Yeah,
0: it just it keeps coming back, and it's like nursery people will tell if people who you know you know a lot about the industry kind of keep coming to this. And I'm here to tell you that is in fact a myth. All right, uh, you can water a plant anytime. Uh, you can even water it at night if you want to. Uh, like I said, we don't typically recommend that, but if a plant needs water, if a plant is wilting, and it's, let me, let me preface that with, if it's hot and dry outside and your plant is wilting, you should water it. Now, if it just rained yesterday and your plant is wilting, you have other problems. Yeah,
1: it might be too wet. It
0: might be too wet you can, we'll get into, we haven't really done a ton of disease stuff. So we could talk about water molds all day long, but anyways. You can, in fact, water your plants on a hot day. You can spray water directly on them. And guess what? They're going to be all right.
2: And Alexis, isn't that backed up by research? There's been numerous, you know, research publications on this through time. Mm-hmm. And it, it all, there's not been one case where it's ever been proven to cause any kind of leaf burn. It's usually from other things. Right. And, you know, on the topic of garden myths, because, you know, we all observe things. And then we kind of put two and two together sometimes. I think this is a classic case mm-hmm. where people observe, they may be watered during the day, and all of a sudden they see margin leaf burn. Mm-hmm. Well, that could be from any number of things mm-hmm. overwatering, underwatering, uh, root issues, all sorts of issues, lack like of oxygen of any time, salts in the soil but may not have a direct relationship with, and it does not have a direct relationship with I will tell you,
0: don't fertilize the leaves of your plants when it's really Mm -hmm. hot and dry outside because fertilizer is essentially salts, right? We don't often think about that, but they are salts. And if you put salt on a leaf, yes, it's going to dry them out. So straight water is normally something that you can do. So uh, if your plant is wilty, water it is the um, basis of mine, and just don't water with salt water. And you'd be good and maybe you know? getting
1: getting the leaves wet in the evening regularly for fungal reasons maybe mm-hmm. not a great idea right. but as far as the whole magnifying glass burning etc thing I, I think sometimes exactly what you said ray you didn't maybe water enough the plant got so hot and was not able to cool itself wasn't able to transport water started to burn then you watered it too late yeah gave it what it needed, but a little bit too late, and think, oh, I just caused that bite. You made a faulty direct correlation. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, we're
2: all guilty of that. We say one plus one. Well, that is one plus one. That equaled the situation. Well, one plus whatever other external factors, in this case, not water yeah. and not magnifying effect. That's a good not one. Not a burn. It's yeah, a strong, that's a great one. Yeah, Strong
1: starting myth.
2: Yeah. leading it strong.
1: Do you want to jump into the foliar feeding?
2: Oh, since that's
1: kind feeding? of related to getting leaves wet. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one related to that.
0: Yeah, you want well, all of you have heard this, so please feel free to jump in. But there's there's this idea of foliar feeding that's going around. It's been going. I mean, it's not a new thing, but it feels to be like it's caught steam a lot lately. At least in the at least in the circles that I run in, um, foliar foliar feeding seems to be a thing. And an example of foliar feeding that I think a lot of people know is when they have blossom end rot on their mm. tomatoes and they go to a store. because... Because before they come to the Extension Office,
3: sad.
0: a sad day, uh, and they say, here, spray this calcium onto the leaves. Uh, it will fix your Blossom rot. Because as as we all know on this podcast, Blossom rot is actually caused by lack of calcium uh, in the plant. Well, foliar feeding, like I give this example, I don't know if it's the best example, but it makes sense in my brain. Foliar feeding is more of an in, it's instant. It's more um, if you have a plant and really really bad health. Yes, it works. Yes, it can help, but it's a very short term solution. So I say um, if you are feeding the soil, you are therefore feeding the plant. It's kind of like taking your vitamins every day. It's going to keep you healthy. If you take your vitamins, you drink plenty of water, you exercise, all that kind of stuff. It's going to keep you healthy. But if you do get sick you're going to go take that antibiotic to, you know, hopefully instantly make you better, right? That antibiotic is kind of like foliar feeding. It helps instantly. But if you don't exercise, eat right, take your vitamins, you're going to keep getting sick. Uh, And so you're going to
2: so bigger problems other than just right. nutrient management, right. probably larger issues. And you're putting what, trying to put a bandaid on it. Mm-hmm. Foliar feeding? So like
0: foliar, like it's not that you shouldn't use foliar feeding and like fish emulsion is a big thing. Like a lot of people are using fish emulsion right now and they're using it as a foliar feed, which number one stank. Mm, um, like, it's I nice. don't know why you'd ever want to run that, but people do it. Um, and they also do the calcium through foliar. And I've done the calcium before um, because I had plants that really were, um, It has to do with you talked about it earlier respiration so the way water moves in a plant well when it's Mm -hmm. really cold uh water is not moving up and down the plant or really hot either or or really hot so calcium moves in water and so i couldn't get the roots to pull water fast enough to get that calcium where it was needed so i put on a foliar feed of calcium so it was instantly where i needed it but i continued to put calcium at the soil level uh so it's not it's not I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it shouldn't be the only thing that you're focusing on. And foliar on.
2: feeding only works for micronutrients. End of story. They've done a lot of research on this. No macronutrients will ever be taken up by foliar feeding. It just doesn't doesn't work. And you, you touched on something else, just the the biology of the plant, the way mm-hmm. the plant kind of takes in, gives off water, self-regulates the whole water system and moves things around. That works against you with foliar feeding. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but just certain types of trees and shrubs plants in general, they all vary wildly in their ability to absorb the macronutrients through leaf tissue. So mm-hmm. not only is kind of the biology working against you, but each plant is different in its own individual capabilities. Lots of issues with foliar feeding.
0: When you say macronutrients, tell us what you Like need. nitrogen,
2: phosphorus, potassium, the things that we need in the greatest quantities inside of a plant that are most needed, uh, on average for most plants, cannot be taken up through foliar feeding, only the micronutrients. So that's just another important consideration is only the micros can be taken up. And once again, you know, each plant has its own different ability to even, you know, take those micronutrients in. So yeah, foliar feeding is something that, you know, I've looked into and we kind of see, you know, that as one of the ways that we could get extra nutrients in plants. But most of that research was done in the 1940s, 50s. Uh, it's older research. And now the newer research is kind of pointing out some of these uh, limitations, I guess, on foliar feeding. And it seems like you're just trying to mask a larger root issue or a growing condition issue. And foliar feeding is not yep. going to correct that. You have you're to look mandating deeper. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And then maybe a little, a little micro myth or micro misunderstanding within what Alexis just mentioned is that, that blossom end rot is caused by a soil deficiency in most cases that calcium mm-hmm. may be in the soil it just can't get up because you haven't put enough water on the plant and so sometimes people will think it's a nutrient deficiency they'll get sold a bag of calcium carbonate or whatever at the at the store put it on and maybe nothing happens and so uh, this is an example it's a very heavy
2: element it's hard to move around yeah, yeah
1: the, the in this case the the correlation of there's something missing there is something missing and it's the delivery system of water to get that nutrient up um, so that's just another little just for those who, who haven't followed all the pods and aren't aren't familiar with their blossom in rot uh Facts and figures. Well, you know, something related to this, and I'm going to go into witness protection <laughs> Uh-oh.
2: for the next oh, one, okay? Because Roy, I have Roy, been... Roy, uh am name
1: Roy Ticket.
2: I, <laughs> yes, I am Roy Ticket. I live in Albuquerque, Aina. Uh, yes, I, I may have to go into protective services after this, but let's talk a minute. You mentioned, you brought it up, guys. Just remember that. So you talked about Blossom rot. Right? I want to talk about the golden bullet of gardening. That's Epsom salts. Epsom salts. Uh, which is what it's not calcium sulfate that is not what epsom salts is it's magnesium sulfate and it's interesting that in the garden that seems to be one of the golden bullets of gardening is to put that on if you have a problem put it on it's going to make it better that's the logic (laughs) basically well take blossom in call that a
1: panacea yes uh, it
2: is a one-shot silver bullet we talked about that yes uh, but it is not one of those types of solutions. In fact, it can make something like blossom end rot even worse because we said that's related to calcium. More specifically, the calcium transport in the plant, while magnesium and calcium are antagonistic to one another. And in other words, that ion, that little particle, that plant can only take so much in of that particular charged particle, which, you know, magnesium and calcium are the, have the same charge. So it actually fights calcium Going into the plant. It's a cation. Yes. Uh, so yeah. that exchange there, <laughs> it's a cation, not to be confused with catfish, which is a different topic altogether. <laughs> but yeah, it can actually work <laughs> against you <laughs> and make things even worse. But uh, just consider that when you're using Epsom salts, and it is a salt. So also consider that. But that is my plug against using uh, Epsom salts in the garden. So Epsom
1: salts are high in magnesium?
2: Uh, they are magnesium sulfate is what you're putting uh, on, which doesn't have calcium in altogether.
3: Yeah. You remember cations are positively charged. Do you remember how to remember that for those of you out there having to take a soils class? Later, cats are
2: positive animals. Paws. Cats have paws. Oh, we nice. <laughs>
1: We're
2: we're we're, we're going we're going into exchange capacities, aren't we? Somehow how does that relate to cats? Yeah. Oh, that is a good way to remember Popular that. learn myth
1: about cation exchange capacity. Based yeah. on how how talkative we are today, I'd say we have a pretty high exchange capacity. Oh, I think so. I think well, the caffeine well.
2: is real. It's getting real with me right now. My face is no getting warm. Soap. It's I'm hitting my parabolic curve right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that that is one of those things that I've tried to work with people over time, uh, and it, it can just actually make you know make things worse. Both adding it to the soil and spraying it on as a topical spray, it doesn't work very well. So.
1: I, I've got a little bit less of a nuts and bolts myth here or, or I'm thought. I'm shocked.
3: Something conceptual,
1: I'm It's guessing. a bit it's <laughs> a, a obtuse. Kind of a high art piece. If y'all would put on these hats that I brought. <laughs> what do you think about the idea that someone says, I just don't have a green thumb. I have a mm. black thumb. Or maybe well, the opposite of a red thumb. On the color wheel, the opposite would be red, I guess. <laughs> a red thumb. Can't grow anything. Is that? Are there some people who just don't have it? They don't have what it takes?
2: I think that's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. Maybe it's a lack of interest in the endeavor of what you're undertaking.
1: Well, I, I, I've known some people who would love, they think that they would love to grow plants. And they just can't seem to do it and they become I, discouraged.
2: I, I if they're not loving them to death sometimes sometimes
0: they can love them to death i always say that you haven't found the plant that's right for you so plant there's plant Mm -hmm. partnerships right so just like you find your your life partner or your pet partner or whatever kind of partner you find i have a podcast partner podcast partners um i think we we all have a plant so like any anybody in the industry that grows plants for a living will tell you they have at least one, probably multiple plants that hate them.
1: Cypresses.
0: <laughs> Cyp- okay, Josh is a cypress or Josh. Brett. 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 Brett.
1: We look alike.
0: What? But take it
3: easy. <laughs> <laughs> Josh
0: is like, I can grow everything perfectly. Um also <laughs> <That's>
3: incorrect.
0: <laughs> yeah, also I can't grow of all things aloe or or air plants. Uh, if it's not in a soil media I can't grow it.
2: So basically, just, you can't take a plant that needs no additional nutrients and grow them?
0: No, I cannot. I will. I have killed every single air Quit plant. Quit putting your foliar sprays on them, Alexis. Um,
2: yeah,
1: Alexis has been foliar feeding just, have some salts just straight. Like,
0: I can so have bad. a
1: greenhouse
0: full of plants that are really hard to germinate, or you know. Some things just grow really well for
2: me. So, so what and, is your plant partner? Let's Everyone's going to have to divulge their plant partner secret. As
0: if I could pick just one.
1: Okay. Oh, probably plant Yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> so that's what I tell people with the green thumb. You just haven't found the plant for you yet. So,
1: I do think so. that there is a also a huge difference between inside and outside plants. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think that there is a personality skill set outlook dynamic to that as well like there are people who are good outdoor plant people Mm -hmm. and there are people who are good indoor plant people and there are people who are good at both i mean
0: sometimes
1: yeah the indoor situation situation is the that's how much light gets in the house
2: (laughs) i I mean that's a limiting factor that that indoor environment's tough because you know i'm big on light meters and if you want to quantify the amount of light in your house the quality and quantity then you can do that
1: you have a light meter right? right Oh yeah, you know what I do. I got a light
2: meter. Oh yeah. We'll have to compare Pretty the light, gross. meter, buddy. they just they just piss oh, bumps. Yeah. We just yeah. Yeah.
1: I have a yeah. I so for the for the bones I I have I alter the water and I have a pH meter and a light meter, so I go around like measuring uh-huh. the light and measuring the pH. And it's
2: surprising sometimes, is it not? Because it's good to you work with data, have, put it you, that way. You you think you have more quality <laughs> coming in. You can't in. measure it, you can't, man. Yeah, that's right. That's oh. it. And a lot of times we just overestimate the quality of life coming into our homes and Yeah. I do it all the time. I'm like, oh, it's plenty of light. And I'll look at the light meter and try to put that on some kind of scale and it's not nearly enough. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, And I think in, like a lot of indoor stuff manages or sorry, manages. It thrives on managed negligence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are some people you said loving something to death. There are some people who want to do something to a plant every day besides just walk by and talk to it and sing mm-hmm. it a little song, which they like. Mm -hmm.
0: they do like that but
1: Mm
3: -hmm. they want to be weird yeah (laughs) but you you can't water you can't water
1: mother-in-law's tongue snake plant every day you can't you can't do that kind of thing whereas i i I am okay with indoor plants but much more of an outdoor plant person because they kind of take care of themselves but you can also check in on them and, Mm -hmm. and give them what they need and yeah, it's all—it's almost like a, the difference between cats and dogs in some ways, like, yeah. they, like indifference and like kind of wildness, and you just support them and see what they do, versus like, you are their god, <laughs> because <laughs> you they don't get rain. Sometimes you see these
2: plants <laughs> doing what they normally do, and it's a normal function what they do, but when you have to pass it five times a day, you make these astute observations, and you over-observe, yeah. and you are like, oh my gosh, it's got brown on the leaves. Well, it's always had brown on the leaves. It's just you notice it when you go past it back and forth so much.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes me think. As far as indoor plants, it's not really a plant. The only thing I can really do well indoors is fungus. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Josh has a
0: heavy black mold problem at his house.
1: We do. I wouldn't call it a problem so much as a (laughs) solution. It's like fall of the House of Usher, but like fungus based, just collapses. With the now, I am become mycelium. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You got, any, you got any myths over there,
3: Mythbusters? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, a couple of them. And I guess the one that is screaming out to me to be said, which I hope, well, there's no way anybody in here believes this myth, but <laughs> the idea that clover is a weed.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: It, no, it's it's jarring to hear. Well and uh, you know, it should be important to say that a weed is the definition of a weed is a plant that's out of place. So there's an arbitrary aspect mm-hmm. to what gets defined as a weed. So throw and back to last week,
1: right tree, right place, mm-hmm, not right. a weed.
3: Right, exactly. Wrong. Whereas like if Johnson somebody grass, says wrong place. clover is a weed, their arbitrary decision is incorrect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> their opinion I see. is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you should
0: not have one.
3: But yes, you know, I've heard and seeing evidence of people discussing and lamenting how hard they've been fighting to try to get rid of the clover in Me. their yard.
0: It was, well, it was not in my yard. It's a weed in my beds and I do fight it. Okay. and
1: Sure, sure. Wow.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: It felt we knew you. <laughs> We're going to pause the podcast to work some things out. Listen, no, it's kidding. Kidding. coming it roll after
0: over. my Columbine and, and we have to fight about it. Which is a native plant, I will point out Yeah. As well.
3: Well, I guess to, to emphasize in the lawn area.
0: Okay, all right. You know, because it's
3: important to note that the clover, which is not native to here, was brought over here by the Dutch in the 1600s, has been here longer than the tall fescue that was brought over in the 40s.
2: Boom!
0: Gross. Yeah,
3: there's been a real interest.
2: I, I don't know I've gotten several phone calls the last couple of years on people wanting to convert their lawns to all clover lawns, which mm. is there's some specific yeah. considerations there, and sure. there's some plant materials now that are that lend themselves better to that. Mm. They're more specifically
0: micro clover. Yeah, yeah, the
2: micro I mean, there's some, like it doesn't have near the traffic tolerance, but there's some real benefits on the ultimate height that the lawn's going to get. Uh, There's some really neat considerations and there's some use case scenarios where it'd be a great choice, I think, but you have to know kind of all the pros and cons, but I'm glad to see that people are starting to consider. Do
1: you mow mow it still?
2: You can, um, a lot of the clovers, some of it's like the the top specifically for lawns, stay lower. It'll be uneven. If you want to even it up, you can always mow, or if you're having grandkids over and you want to take the blooms off because there's bees in the blooms and kids get in there and they get stung. Like the stains of clover don't come out of clothes like fescue stains. The stains are completely different. So there's some, there's some things you have to kind of work through to make sure it's for you. And it has not much travel uh, resistance, not much traffic resistance, uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm so glad that we get those phone calls and we can talk with people about clover lawns, that people yeah. are thinking about that. I love it.
1: I just had the image of Ray doing some hands-on experiments by doing baseball slides through <laughs> clover. Not the knees these of all my clothes are green. <laughs> these yeah. clover stains are never yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. You're, laughs> These
3: are
2: clover stains. These aren't going anywhere.
1: you like rock star like. where you run out on your yeah. knees and just slide I, through I've got a patches. slip and slide
2: except it's dry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Just all laughs> it ends in clover. He's converted a yeah. slip and slide to all my yeah. clover. I,
0: I did not know that uh, right?
2: sports people told me that and i had to go look it up and i asked one of our specialists on campus i'm like this sounds like a myth uh like a, I was like this can't be true and he said oh no it's true because sports people hate clover because it doesn't come out of the uniforms or anything mm-hmm. so oh. i was like wow okay I, I thought it thought it was not a real thing but it sounds like
3: upgrade your detergent <laughs>
2: yes maybe get a stronger detergent every yes. clover
1: has its stain yeah <laughs> you
2: know
0: what? clothes as a child, I think everybody should have some. Some play clothes? Play clothes. still, have I, still have play clothes. I still have, play clothes. I still have play clothes. Yeah, that's the clothes I have on today. way too like, much <laughs> in a row. For
1: because sure. you're playing too much. Too much playing. Too Quote much fun. Yeah, it's play. a
2: good one. I like, yeah. I like clover. Clovers are good. You
0: know, Josh, I feel like that feeds into another um, thing that you have disdain for, which is lawns in general.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's
0: a hot take.
3: The idea that... Um, <laughs>
0: He's also, going into witness protection is
3: a lawn yeah. required, a turf lawn, let's say, or a grass, yeah. lawn. Is or even that really like, good. Yeah, is it good?
2: Is it something you even want? Well, so, what's the form and function considerations for that? So, yeah. the
0: myth is you have to have a fescue lawn, and we would all say that myth should be debunked.
1: <laughs> you <laughs> don't have really, to, no, yeah. I, I must say, I am pro- maybe I don't know, I'm not, maybe not speaking for everyone here, but I speak for everyone. <laughs> when I say that I am not as vehemently anti-lawn as maybe I once was, in the same way that I'm no longer a purist about the uh, the native stuff like I once was, now that being said, eighty percent of our uh, little patch of Lexington is not lawn, but uh, is it
3: I, I would say it's more like ninety mm-hmm. more like ninety percent <laughs> of our area lawn has been deleted. and has been now
1: And now (laughs) now Ellen is under control Mm -hmm. and get defeated. Well, no, I I think that uh, there is a utility for a wide open space in some Mm -hmm. cases. Sure. Uh, I think that there are some people who have very active dogs who maybe otherwise aren't going to get necessarily a lot of exercise. I think that there is a value in being able for kids to play on the lawn. I think there are things and, and I I think mainly what I'm speaking to, I'm getting a little out of pocket here, but mainly what I'm speaking to is that in general, I would like to see us move toward a focus in the discussions of this stuff, not us, our group, but in general, move away from a shame-based thing because sometimes people will come over and they'll be like, oh, I'm so ashamed that we have a lawn or like, I really want to kill our lawn, but I just haven't done it already. And Mm. I'm like, chill, baby. (laughs) Everything's going to be okay.
2: Does it work for you? If you can grow it, you can mow it just if it meets your objective.
1: Yeah. If you want to do it, I mean, if you want to change it, do it. And if not, don't feel bad about it. But if you do want to, here's how you can do it. And what we did was we did it a little chunk at a time. You know, you sort of expand out and consume the lawn gradually over time. And then you get to a certain point. You're like, okay, let's knock it out. But, um, so that's what I... Yeah. I am generally anti wan for the main reason of I hate cutting the grass. Sure. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Oh, I love that. I love
2: cutting. I don't know why, but I don't care if I'm Are mowing weeds. Cutting? I don't care if I'm yeah, mowing weeds. totally. I think it it's one of those things more, that I can see yeah. what I've done.
3: Are you
1: want to push more or zero
2: Well, it's a hillside and it's straight up and down, but
1: it's good cardio. That's why you got such such uh, picturesque calves. <laughs> have you been looking at my calves? <laughs> I
2: don't
1: I'd be lying if I said I have. I, I, I. Uh, but no, it's one of those things that's
2: interesting. I have neighbors that... That hate mowing and they have that done but um, how people view that it's really interesting yeah
3: well it can be a big resource sink i think that's yeah. what people look yeah at time a picture. and money yeah absolutely well, in, in some places where there's limited water you know mm-hmm. things like that um, i had read uh, some statistics statistics a couple of times i don't have them in front of me here but that if we consider irrigated crops nationwide and we were to consider an irrigated lawn just another crop. It would be the number one crop mm-hmm. in the U.S. by acreage. Yes, mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, and and in terms of how many inputs go into it. Mm. So there's a lot of resources going into keeping our lawn. But like Brett said, you know, it's not something necessarily to be have shame about. But consider, you know, when you look at your lawn what would you like that space to be? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be wall to wall tree. Yeah, you definitely know, completely impassable. There are options with things like hardscaping and mulch and you know other ground mm-hmm. covers like clover, micro clover, things like that. And to just consider that space, what other functions might it have that you would enjoy? And if it's not a lawn, go for it. Just kidding. <laughs>
1: you've recovered from the shame of having a lawn, change your life.
2: (laughs) The thing that's changed, the biggest in my mind about lawns, you know, is is the uniformity that that I expect from that. You know, in the back, you know, if there's no neighborhood covenants or rules and regulations Mm -hmm. that say you have to have, you know, weed-free lawn. In the front, I've got a little tiny patch, and I've maintained it according to neighborhood standards. But in the back, it's everything in the world. It's yellow clover. It's all the the white Dutch clover that's in there. It's a lot of just what people would consider weeds but i mow it and it's green most of the year and i have garden areas back there but i will mow it and keep it kind of uniform i don't mow very often Mm -hmm. but i mow it it suits my function and i've really changed over time i used to be one of those that turf needs to be uniform it needs to be a monolithic planting that's very uniform but i have really i've reduced my inputs into the lawn a great deal you know over time, for whatever reason, I'm not for sure, but I look at it differently now. I enjoy seeing the little buttercups and the wild violets and all the other fun stuff. And Would you say, vet, maybe
3: chick-weed. you perfected your short game.
2: Practice maybe that's factory. it. Yeah, <laughs> because that's just more inputs. I don't want to input yeah. into the lawn. more time and more product. Right. And I think that um, for me personally, it's a very personal thing. But that, that uniformity is just comes at too high price for me. Both in terms of time and product, so yeah, it's a good, good one.
1: Got a really mullet, one. mullet lawn. Yeah, business M- in, the front, <laughs> in the front. Oh, okay, exactly, exactly. It's um. definitely like a business
2: cut up front. In the back, it's I don't know, it's a dirty pool hall in the middle of a Texas, the you know, back road. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all the pageantry of an Alabama concert. Oh yes, and it's all that in the back. Yes, it is indeed. That's where all the fun stuff is. What other garden myths do we have? Talking about myths and misconceptions and personal preferences. Oh, I got one. Oh, go.
0: Let's talk about planting a plant in a pot. It's
1: a good place to start.
0: Planting a plant in a pot.
1: Planting a plant in a pot.
0: And uh, do you put gravel in the bottom for drainage or large rocks or something like that before you put your potting soil on top? Or are you straight potting soil?
1: Hold on, let me call my extension agent. Mm, They'll have
2: the right answer, myth-free.
0: Hi, it's Alexis. How can I help you?
1: Hi, Alexis. Can I talk to somebody else, please? You yelled at me last time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> can we talk to somebody that knows something about puppies? Um,
0: If this is about the gravel again, you it's... know what I'm going to say.
1: Okay, I really want to put the gravel in. Yeah, and mulch everywhere. I'm
0: going to need you to not do that, please. Oh, sir. okay. Thank,
1: Thank you man. for busting this myth for me. <laughs> so don't put gravel in the bottom And
0: seed. Yeah, so um, gravel, it disturbs the water column. Mm. And so it... It goes down to, so you've got this potting soil, right? It's got a nice fine texture to it. Water won't move. Eventually it will, but it won't move very quickly in the way that your plant roots need it to move from that fine co- texture to that coarse gravel texture. So you create kind of this false layer um, going on there and it will just hang out. And we, what we know, what we all know Is that your roots, most of the time, uh, unless it's a bog plant, which is a different story. But for most of us, your plants don't like to sit in water. And so that water will sit right there in that potting soil where all those roots are. And it will rot them. And you get disease issues Mm. and things like that. So it's better for it to be complete potting soil as long as you have a drainage hole in the bottom. So if you buy one of those pretty pots that doesn't have a drainage hole in it, you best be getting your drill out.
2: And yep. I'm assuming the mm-hmm. drainage hose provides all the actual air the roots need. Is that the case? If it has air holes in the bottom, drainage holes, that also acts as you know we I, get that question yeah, every now and then. Yeah, I
1: believe it's that the water pulls the air down through the yeah. top of the
2: water. Column so mostly. that really doesn't have an impact on much at all. Physics, I
0: think. Physics. I guess that would be yeah. physics, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. I don't know. I'm a horticulturist. She's more of a concept person. I'm more <laughs> of a <laughs> big
1: picture oh, person. I, I think guys. this is what. Dumb people call physics. <laughs> I mean, it's for me, it's just gravel. the way things. For grow. me, it's just the
0: way plants grow. So, anyways, don't put gravel in your pots, people.
1: Yeah, because it, it, it's and it, that does feel like it's one of those where you can understand the thinking. Yes. That if if you have we use we use gravel as a driveway, this you know water yeah. can go down through it and get out. But if you have it in a dense substrate and it hits an area that has significantly more airspace mm-hmm. in it. It doesn't have that kind of uh, adhesive, and no. cohesive effect to continue to pull the water at the bottom of the pot, and it just sort of slows it now, down. Now there
0: down. are cases where you're going to maybe use a gravel or gravel type substance throughout the pot. Mm-hmm. And you know a lot about that, right? I know all about um, it. Tell us about how you use these larger soil structures.
1: In cases where you want the soil to dry out even faster, you're going to create a rougher texture with more space throughout the water column for water to flow through. It, create, it holds more more space for air to sit there. This is used in uh, things like bonsai or things that you need, like a kind of a sub, sort of a substrate, orchid bark mix, that type of thing. Um, and so in that case, you might have a very rough texture. You know, very few bonsai are grown in like a traditional peat moss soil media. A lot of it's a, a blend of lummus, oh, lummus. lummus. <laughs> lava, pumice, lummus and bread. this other, the other kind of clay-based thing. Um, but it's a very dry mix and it drains very freely. But again, it's it's the more or less the same consistency all the way throughout mm-hmm. the mix so that it it can, it can drain out the bottom. So
0: if you're worried about a plant not having enough drainage, you need to mix in that. I wouldn't recommend gravel. I'd go with something like perlite, um, but it, that's what I've used. You know, Cacti mixes, stuff like that are going to have a heavier perlite, but you're mixing that through the whole pot. The whole pot is ideally the same consistency. You don't have those layers of different things in, in your soil. It doesn't have to do pot. with
1: gravel being bad. It's just that a the oh. difference in in particle size within that media mix is what causes the issue.
2: Makes sense. It's a good one. You know, another one. Uh, <laughs> it is a good one. He's like, anyways, good it's a good one. Moving Garbage. on. Good one. I'm gonna go home and take the bo- now. I gotta go home and take the gravel out of the bottom <laughs> of every single plant because the, the. I wondered why water was standing. I, don't know. I don't he know. kept
1: calling and there was a busy signal because I was kept asking Alexis if I should put gravel in mine.
2: Uh uh uh. Gravel, which you know we get that all the time. People just they have a hard time believing that. It's yeah. They really do. Yeah, because yeah. they will say, "Well, that makes no sense, no common sense." Yeah. But mm-hmm. It's interesting, and you mentioned mentioned it he' some cohesive forces. The water just doesn't move right. Yeah. It right. will. It does not want to leave that area of fine material. It's so hold, it's crazy. Holding on the water. It's crazy. Yeah, that, and that's a huge one. Uh, well, and to and just this. to.
1: To make it a little even a little more meta, um, <laughs> when you plant a plant in the ground, the soil water column is now—I mean, not infinitely deep, but it's immensely deep. And so the structure and the like, the pressure of pulling down from that type of environment—that's that's why, like, you don't you plants in the ground will grow a little bit faster. That's why that the water can move differently through those uh, through, through that that type forest. of strata forest. is because. You have the whole earth it's essentially a acting system. like your pot. Whereas when yeah. you're growing something in a pot, you are in control of that whole little thing. And so the Well and the you physics take that native
2: soil and you put it in like a container garden. People wonder why it turns to concrete. You disturb the, the, the soil column and yeah. its permeability factors. So once once you take out that natural movement, that soil, even though let's say you did not disturb the soil at all, you were able to take a perfect scoop ten inches deep and take that exact soil and stick it in a container, it's going to turn to concrete and yeah. it baffles people. Why does it do that? Well you've disturbed that natural ecosystem and that column of soil that is more than just that eight to ten inches of good topsoil. Whatever. So yeah. Yeah.
1: The soil soil physics is a whole it's a whole thing. Yeah. It could be a great topic for the wild. future. Wild. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, just all of the that, that goes into soil. Shout and out stuff. soil. Yeah.
0: What up? Shout
3: out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Any other myths we've got that we hear a lot of? I mean, it's like an infinite amount, but...
2: Well, it's not a myth. I mean, I ran into this one just a couple years ago and I I had to think about it. You know, and something that we recommend a lot is, of course, if you're pruning something like fire blot, you know, of course you need to sterilize your pruners, you know, in between ever so many cuts because you don't want to spread the disease or whatever Mm -hmm. problem you're trying to prune out. We always say, you know, a quick and easy solution is to... You know, use like a diluted bleach water solution to clean your tools. And I heard a person in Extension at a national meeting say, but don't do that. It's not really a myth, but she said, "There's don't do that. There's a better way to do it. And I was like, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, you know, instead of bleach, which is highly corrosive to your very nice tools. Some people yeah. love their hand tools. And I get that. Or their pruning tools. They love those. They may be you know, a very high quality, or they may be a family heirloom, but she said, you know, don't use bleach, and I'm like, oh, oh, goodness, I've always recommended bleach, it is effective, but she said, that's not the point, the problem is, it's corrosive, you know, you would clean all the organic matter off your pruning tools, like you normally would, and she recommended using antiseptic mouthwash, because it's not corrosive, Mm -hmm. for the nature of that product, and I'd never thought about that, she said pruners, she said in her commercial, and I guess she dealt with a lot of uh, commercial nurseries that they're constantly sterilizing like every day she says bleach those printers will not last yeah and she said instead it's you know and she had done some research on it apparently said antiseptic mouthwash works better and i thought that was really interesting because it's ph balanced it's you know literally mouthwash so it's balanced in such a way that it's non-corrosive and i thought that was pretty great so i've recommended that more and more and that's not really a myth maybe that's a best practice but i had never once given that consideration. Really but, cool. Yeah, that one part, you know, bleach to nine parts water, uh, you know, is a standard recommendation we make. On, and that, once again, is effective. But if you're doing that a lot, corrosive, and never would have thought about that. Hmm. But ever since then, that's what I do at home now is use, you know, an, it's got to be an antiseptic mouthwash mm-hmm. because there's mouthwashes that you can get that may be like, you know, supposed to strengthen your enamel on your teeth. Those won't work. It has to say antiseptic mouthwash. Okay. She clarified that, and ever since then, I really thought that was so cool. Before
0: this podcast releases, I'm going to go buy stock in Listerine or something because we're mm-hmm. going to have an impact on the world. Influencer, we just influence <laughs> all of you to go buy mouthwash.
1: <laughs> Listerine, named after Joseph, I believe Joseph Lister. One of the main, I would say, all people the father of the thing, two women and a black person who did this before <laughs> yeah. him, but white guy father of antiseptic practices in surgery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, countless lives saved by people washing their like hands, like the tools, and, sur-
2: surgical tools, or hands, yeah, everything. Everything,
1: yeah.
0: everything. Well, there the we an, go. The,
1: the antiseptic concept. I think so, Mr. tools was it was originally an, was invented wow. as an antiseptic. Wow!
0: They were like, put this in your mouth
1: you're washing your hands with it might as well eat so yeah. if we put
0: mint in it it'll be fine
1: I just I imagine putting whiskey in my mouth and then taking my pruners and just oh man. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's a technique don't, don't do that we're here that. to tell you do I not do that. I got, I would, I got wicked seed. cedar apple rust in my mouth don't so. put your pruners in your mouth that is a myth
2: <laughs> that, is a, that is a worst case scenario not a best management practice yeah yeah <laughs>
0: All right, so really quick, tell me the myth that we busted today that you brought up. Josh, go. Uh,
2: that clover's a weed, busted. Magnesium sulfate, otherwise known as Epsom salts.
0: That you should put gravel in your pot,
1: busted. A non-green thumb just means you haven't found the right plant for you, busted.
0: Aww. So, what did, we, what, did we bust that myth
1: though? Oh, that you have a, you can't, some people don't have green thumbs, Yeah, busted.
0: busted. Anyways, wonderful.
1: <laughs> You got really into Get
0: that. it together, guys. You got really into that. I like well, that um, I think that's it for our myths today. If you have any more myths, if you're wondering if something is a myth or you heard a cool myth, please feel free to uh, comment or send us an email. Comment on our Instagram at Hort Culture Podcast uh, and tell us all your cool myths and we will help debunk them or... Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's true. We'll figure it out together. And then we hope as we grow this podcast that you will grow with us and we will see you next time. Thanks for a great chat, everybody.